Have you ever wondered why Bible stories are important? They have struggles and victories, heroes and villains, miracles and wonders. They build faith and help us gain understanding. Are you ready to learn some spiritual truths through Bible stories? Let's jump in. Um, And I just want to thank Pastor Jimmy for allowing me the opportunity to speak before all of you today. Uh, Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, So let's go ahead and address the elephant in the room. I bet a lot of you don't even know who I am. (laughs) Well, I bet your kids know exactly who I am. So I've served in G-Kids Elementary for about two years now. And we call G-Kids Elementary the small church because it operates just like a small church. Uh, And I love what God is doing in G-Kids. I'm talking about there are kids who are making Jesus their king each and every week. And God is moving in the hearts of the little people, the little church. It's amazing. Um, so just so you know a little bit about me, uh, I have two kids of my, of my own. Uh, I have Aaron. He is nine years old. And there is Skylar. She is five years old. Okay. And I've been married 12 years to the beautiful, beautiful Lorraine. Can everyone say yeah? Yeah. <laughs> um, and what's interesting is, uh, her name is Lorraine. Mine is Jermaine, so you can't forget it. it. A rhyme. The name's rhyme, okay? God put it together that way, which is awesome. And let me tell you a story uh, what took place when, when I put this woman through uh, some years ago. So we had just purchased our home, and for some reason, every single pipe in our house kept bursting. We could not figure out why the pipes were bursting in our home. So what I tried to do was be cheap. I tried to go out and fix the pipes myself, okay? And every time I would fix the pipe on this side of the house, the pipe on this side of the house would burst. And every time I would try to fix the pipe on this side of the house, (laughs) the pipe on this side of the house kept bursting. And this happened for two weeks straight. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? Is there a demon underneath the house here? What in the world? It was just like super frustrating. So here's what I figured out really really quick. Three things that you just don't mix, okay? You don't be cheap with no pipes and a wife that can't shower. You just don't do that, okay? You don't mix that at all, okay? Uh, And I figured out the hard way, so let me just spare you the pain. Don't do that. So what we figured out, though, is what we needed was a small metal device called a pressure relief valve. And this pressure relief valve was able to keep the pressure from bursting our pipes, a small thing. And that is also true, though, of our lives. It's always the smallest things that can keep the pressure from bursting in our lives, right? So today, I want to talk to you about a story uh, of pressure, okay? And we're going to talk about pressure today in our culture. The truth is, we live in a world, in a high-pressurized world, that is constantly applying pressure to us. It's constantly applying pressure for us to kind of go against the ways of God. And some of you today may feel that pressure. It's like constant, almost every day. It's a pressure. I mean, there's so much pressure, pressure to be light, pressure to look a certain way, pressure to act a certain way. I mean, pressure to meet certain deadlines that you should have met last year. Uh, You could be um, pressured by a boss to meet unrealistic expectations. Uh, If you're a single person, maybe you've uh, experienced the pressure to not be lonely and you need to find someone to date or you need to go ahead and marry someone. Or you could be a teenager today and you're under the peer pressure in your school. Pressure to look like this, act like this, or whatever it may be. But the point is, all of us face the pressure of the culture. 
So the big question for us today is, how can we stay steady in our relationship with God in a high-pressure culture? How can we stay steady in our relationship with God in a high-pressure environment? Well, that's our story today. Our story is about three men of God. You may be familiar with these guys, okay? Shadrach, Meshach, and everyone say it with me, Abednego. No, no, did you say Abednego? Okay, you got it wrong. It's not Abednego. Well, so let's go ahead and figure out what is his name? Okay, what is this man's name? Is it Abednego? Is it Abednego? Is it Abednego? Or like me, if you thought it was, his name was a billy goat like me, then, <laughs> then that's what it is, right? Well, what is his name? Okay, so it's not the first one. It's not Abednego. It's not the second one. It's not Abednego. Actually, it's the third one. Abednego, okay? So if you got the third one correct, let's give yourself a hand. Let's give yourself a hand. <laughs> Man, that's tough. <laughs> so I can see Abednego, Abednego, see, I'm messing up. Abednego right now in heaven saying, after a thousand years of church history, not even pastors know how to pronounce my name right. It's just messed up, man, how we do this guy, right? Well, it's funny because I can relate to Abednego because uh, before I joined Grace Life staff um, two months ago, I used to work at the hospital. And when I was working at the hospital, there was this lady who would call me the wrong name every day. She would call me Jerry. Every day that I saw her, she would call me Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. I'm like, my name is not Jerry. And she did this for 18 years. And it wasn't until two months. <laughs> so so it, wasn't, it wasn't until two months ago where she heard I was leaving. She said, Jerry, oh my gosh, you leaving? Where are you going? And she kept talking, kept talking. I can tell you everything about the lady except her name too. I didn't know her name either. So we were talking. And we were talking, 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 and she looked at my badge. She said, your name is not Jerry. And I looked at her badge, and I said, your name is not Susan. So that's how I work sometimes. That's how it is. <laughs> that's how it is sometimes, right? We just don't know people's names, but we know everything about the person. So when we talk about names with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these were not their real names. Well, they were, it was not their real birth name, should I say. Shadrach, his birth name was actually Hebrew, which means, uh, which is Hananiah, which means God is gracious. Meshach, his birth name was Mikshel, which is Hebrew, which means who is what God is. Abednego, his birth name was Azariah, which also means God has helped. See, their birth names were changed by a king named Nebuchadnezzar. Now, some of you may remember this in school. You may have heard of the Babylonian Empire, okay? Actually, one of the greatest empires known to man. But don't worry, I don't want to uh, uh, torture you here today with a history story. But the Babylonians were led by a king named Nebuchadnezzar. And the, 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 the Babylonians and Nebuchadnezzar invaded many different countries and took many people of God of captives, and they forced them to live in a place called Babylon. And all these three men, when they were captured, they were captured as teenagers, Okay, so think about that for a second. Here it is, teenagers are being captured to work in another culture, in another environment. They had to learn the Babylonian language. They had to go to Babylonian schools, and they were given Babylonian names. See, Babylon was a massive city. It was actually a pagan city, a wicked city. Babylon was known as the city of confusion. Okay, and you say, why? Why? Well, this city has so many different gods. Even the, the, the walls around the city was named in, in reference to some kind of god. Okay, they would make up a god for everything. <laughs> so every building, every water fountain, every garden they had in the city was named after some kind of made, man-made god. They had a god 
of the wind. They had a God of the air. They had God of sex. They had the God of moon. They had the God of food. I would imagine with all these gods, they would have a God over the restrooms. Can you imagine that for a second? The God of the toilets, the gods of the commode. That would just be weird, right? Okay. All right. I got a little too dark. Sorry. All right. Let's get back on track here. Okay. So not only were these three godly men surrounded by all these made up gods in an ungodly environment, the pressure begins to intensify. And this is where our story picks up in Daniel chapter three, verse one. It says this, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet high and nine feet wide. And in verse five, and there was a law that said, when you hear the sound of music, you're to fall down and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Verse six, but whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. You talk about pressure. This, my friend, is some serious, serious pressure. See, this was a huge golden statue. This statue was about 90 feet tall, which is about 10 stories. If we were to compare this statue with the statues of the day, the closest would be, it would be nearly the same size of the Christ of the Redeemer statue in Brazil. I don't know if you've ever seen that statue, but the Christ Redeemer statue is a nice, beautiful statue of Jesus with his arms outstretched overlooking the Brazilian city. It's a beautiful image. See, what's cool about that statue is it was a statue of Christ. But King Nebuchadnezzar put up a statue of himself. <laughs> Because he thought himself, he thought of himself higher than everyone else in society. He thought of himself like a god, and he wanted people to worship him, or yet you would be executed. See, the enemy wants your worship. The enemy is after our worship. Anything the enemy can do to get us to worship the things of culture instead of worshiping the true God, that's what he's after. It makes the enemy happy. And that's the pressure for us today. Listen, there are so much things in life that are trying to get our worship, that are trying to get our hearts, that are trying to get our focus and trying to get all our attention on it instead of our attention on the God of the Bible. And to be honest, pressure will reveal our true character and what we worship the most. Let me say it again. Pressure will reveal our true character and what we worship the most. Pressure in life is a test to see ultimately who has your worship. Look at verse seven. Verse seven says this. Therefore, when all the people heard the sound of music, people of every nation and language fell down and worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. All that is except for three brave men. Don't you love stories of bravery? Against all the odds, you got people who just stand. Listen, no matter what comes, I'm standing. Well, these guys were standing, man. I love that. I love bravery. These guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were standing. When everyone else was bowing down, they didn't bow. When everyone else was giving into the pressure to worship made-up gods, they didn't give into the pressure. They continued to worship the true God in spite of what the culture was trying to force them to do. And see, and that is true of us today. As people of God, we have to take a stand for what we believe, even if we're the only ones standing. Even if you're the only one standing. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 says this. So some Chaldeans took this occasion to come forth and maliciously accuse the Jews. And these guys in verse 12 said, there are some Jews 
you have appointed to manage the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have ignored you, ignored you. The king, they do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. See, not only were they in a high-pressure society and a high-pressure culture, see, they had enemies within the culture. They were people who were jealous that they took a stand. And they were enemies trying to catch them in something. I mean, as soon as they didn't bow, they were right there all on it, man, trying to catch them in something. And let me, let's be honest. A lot of us can think of stuff like this in our own lives, where we feel like there are coworkers who are like enemies towards us a little bit. Like you just, when you go into the office, you feel that, that, that there's that tension. And he's like, man, God, can you just make this person just disappear for a minute? Can we do something kind of magical here? Let's get rid of this person. Okay, or it could be someone in your family that, that just feels like an enemy towards you, and there's that tension there, right? Well, they had enemies, so will we. And the Chaldeans, they told the king, they told on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the king. They were snitches. <laughs> Have you ever known any snitches? Okay, and you know what the, the, the term in our culture is, snitches get? Yes. Okay, and I know that's what they were thinking. Like, man, leave us alone here. I mean, goodness gracious. Okay, so verse 13. Then in a furious rage, King Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Verse 15. And the king said, if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? We see more pressure being applied. Now, this is some serious, serious pressure. Have you ever been in situations where you felt powerless? Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like your situation is a dead-end situation? Or maybe a situation where people act like gods over you. See, this king tried to be a god over them. And there may be people on your job who have some authority over you because God has given them some authority, but let's not get it twisted that they don't have ultimate power over you. The Bible says that all power and all real authority comes from Jesus Christ, our Savior. Okay, so let's not get that twisted. But listen to what they said to the king. I like what they said. Now, I don't know if they said this together or separate, but this is pretty cool. Verse 16 says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so... Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he would deliver us out of your hand, O king. That's good. See, what we need to know and what we need to believe is the same thing that they knew and they believed, that our God is able to help us stand when everyone else is bowing, bowing, that our God is able to deliver us no matter how bad the situation is, that our God is all-powerful because he is. His, one of his names is El Shaddai, the Almighty One. We don't serve a little wimpy God. Our God is powerful, man, and we've got to know that. But what if this all-powerful God changes his mind and says, no, I'm not going to deliver you out of this situation. I'm not going to deliver you on this one. Well, God can change his mind. Okay? What happens then? Well, let's see what the story says. Verse 18, it says this. 
They said, the three men of God, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you that we would never serve your gods or worship the golden statue you have set up. See, they were even if people. See, they, they trusted God even if. Okay, throw us in the fire, whatever. <laughs> even if, I'm still going to trust God. Okay, even if we burn up, I still trust God. Even if things get hotter, I'm still going to trust God. And we, good, <laughs> and we, as people of God, we need to be even if people. So when things happen in life, okay, even if I mess up, okay, well, I still trust God. Even if situations go sour, I'm still going to trust God. Even if this doesn't work, I'm going to trust in the king because he is trustworthy. See, they were even if people, and they were clear on where they stood with God. Because they said, we're going to make it clear to you, O king. And same thing with us. We need to make it clear with the world on where we stand in our faith with God. You see, and they could do this because they were not trusting what God can do for them or, okay, well, God can provide, so I'm going to trust you because you can do this. This wasn't a bargaining system. No, they simply trusted God for who he was because God is a trustworthy God, okay? And we need to trust God for who he is. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 says this. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage, and the expression on his face changed towards Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Then he gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more hot than normal. More pressure being applied. The truth is, when we stand against the pressure of the culture and the pressure of the enemy, the hotter things will get for us. Let me say that one more time. The more we stand against the pressure of the culture and the enemy, the hotter things will get in our lives. Verse 22, so the fire was so hot, it killed the guards as they walked closer to the furnace. So they were tied up, thrown into the fire, and all three men fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. But verse 24, <laughs> then the king Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. He said, didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Verse 25, he exclaimed, look, I see four men, not tied, walking around in the fire, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. <laughs> That's good. Man. So I don't know if you just heard that or not, but think about this for a second. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So they were bound, thrown into the fire, but in the fire, they didn't burn. In the fire, they were unbound walking around with a fourth person in the fire. Let me say that one more time. What? So they were bound, thrown into the fire, but in the fire, they didn't burn, and they were unbound in the fire, walking around with the fourth person beside them. So this is a good time to ask a question. Well, who was the fourth person? Wait a minute, don't, don't, don't say anything else. Tell me who the fourth person was, please. Okay, I'm glad you asked. So the fourth person, some people believe, uh, some scholars believe, rather, that this could have been a angel. Some other scholars believe that this could have been Jesus. But what we do know is that God was demonstrating his power to be with his people. And God has promised to be with you and me. God said that he would never leave us or forsake us. He loves his people. And I love what he says about this promise to us. Listen to Isaiah 43, 2. It says this. This is what God says to us. I will be with you when you pass through the waters and when you pass through the rivers. They will not overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire. 
and the flame will not burn you. That's good. See, sometimes God may not prevent the fires from happening in our lives. Sometimes he will take you through the fire, but he's always promised to be with you in the fire. See, verse 26, listen at verse 26. It says this, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire, and he called to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the most high God, (laughs) come out. See, the fires that God allows us to go through in life is not only for you, but it's for others to see God's power working through your circumstance. So here's what's true. Here's what's true, okay? A lot of us, we get to a place where we think, okay, why is this happening to me? Man, why? God, why are you sending me through this? Why is this pressure coming on me? Why am I going through this fire? Why, God? Why? 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 We do that, right? Okay, I promised myself I wouldn't do that. I'm a bad actor. Sorry. But we, we do that in life, right? We freak out like, God, why are you putting me through this? But actually, God is doing this because he's got a, a bigger overall purpose for our lives that we can't even see. It's deeper. It's about his kingdom purposes, okay? And he does that so others can see him show up in big ways. Verse 26, and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. The fire had had any The fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Listen, they went through the fire, but you couldn't tell they were in the fire. So here's a tough question for us today. Tough question. When we go through the trials of life and the fires of life, do we reflect God's character through those trials? Do we show people the character of God or do we lose it and get all out of sorts? Do we start cussing and fussing and getting upset and throwing stuff? What happens? Well, I can tell you this. <laughs> uh, I can't, sometimes I can't leave the parking lot and go to Sand Hills without getting frustrated. Have you seen the way people drive in Columbia? <laughs> like, what in the world? Okay, but guess what? That's no excuse, right? God wants people, his people, to have self-control, to be patient, to be loving. Okay, we do have to share the road with other people. <laughs> it's not just your road. Uh, so anyway, God wants us in the fire to show people his power through our fiery circumstances. And why is this so important? Well, look at verse 28. Verse 28 says this. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He rescued his servants who trusted him. And I'll say this, guys. Listen, there's no God like the God we serve. God proves himself over, and he don't have to, but he proves himself over and over and over again because he is trustworthy. He can be trusted. When we go through the fires of life and the pressures of life, we want people to say of us, I want to go to uh, your church. Okay, there's something different. Okay, how are you so cool under pressure? Why, 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 why you never just blow up? I need to know, you know, what the secret is. That is very attractive, I want to praise the God that you praise. I want to worship the God that you worship. Can I ride with you? That's what we want people to say about us when we go through and live our life here on planet Earth. But look at verse 30. Our story ends in verse 30, and it says this. Then the king rewarded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So they got rewarded. Through all that, they got rewarded by the king. And this is true. Pressure comes before promotion. Pressure comes before promotion. Why? 
Because if they would have cowered and said, you know what, forget all this, I'm going to bow so I can get my check and let me get up out of here. I ain't got time for this. I'm not getting burned. Forget that, man. Uh uh-uh, uh uh uh. Well, guess what? The last, thing, the last thing that God wants to promote is that kind of attitude. Like, whatever we can do to kind of get around the pressure, whatever we can kind of do to get around the fire. No, man, listen, sometimes God wants us to go through that fire. And then he promotes us through that kind of pressure once we've proven that we can trust him. See, here's the point of the story. Most people think that this story is about not being burned. Well, that's part of it. Nobody wants to get burned. But actually, it's about trusting God. No matter what pressure comes, no matter what culture says, he wants us to trust him. And because they trusted God through the pressure of, of, of the fire, they didn't bow and they didn't burn. And I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you may be facing today, but I can say this with all full confidence in God, that you don't have to bow to the pressures of life, and ultimately you won't be burned by the fires of life because God is right there with you, walking through it with you. The Bible says that our God will not leave us. He's there, even though you may not feel like it. Well, God is not a feeling. Okay, sometimes it's going to feel like that, but rest assured, he is right there with you no matter what you're going through. So there's two things that we can take away from this story today. Number one, they didn't bow. Everyone in here today would say, there's no way I would bow to a 90-foot statue. That's just ridiculous, man. That's so silly. That's a silly story. A matter of fact, all of us here today would say, I wouldn't bow to a 90-foot statue. All of us would say that. But the truth is, there are some things that we do bow to in culture. See, idols are not just 90-foot statues. Idols are anything we put in the place of God. In other words, anytime we choose anything contrary, contrary to God's word, we just make that thing an idol. And here's what's tricky. In today's culture, where so much pressure, there are so many things competing for the number one spot in your life. There are so many idols trying to take God's number one place in your life. And what's also tricky within that is that idols can be really good things. You know, money is good, but we can make money a God. Our careers are good, but we can make career a God. So we think, for some reason, whatever we put first, that thing that we're pursuing, that thing that we put first before God, we think that some reason that that thing is going to give us life. We think that that thing, if I can just have that, man, if I can just have that little thing in my life, it'd make my life so much better. But the truth of it is, if it's not God, it's lifeless. It's not going to give you life. That's the tricky thing about idols. Psalms 115, 4 through 8 says this about idols. Their idols are merely things of silver and gold, shaped by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak. They have eyes but cannot see. They have ears, but cannot hear. They have noses, but cannot smell. They have hands, but cannot feel. They have feet, but cannot walk. And they have throats that cannot even utter and make a sound. And really important verse in that verse is verse 8, which says this. And those who make idols are just like them, as are all who trust in them. See, the truth is, We become like the idols we trust the most. So what is it that you're trusting in life the most? What is most of your trust in? Is it in your career? 
Is it in your family? It can be a number, a number of things. But what is it that you're really trusting the most with all your heart? But the Bible says whatever that thing is, if it's not God, it's, you're going to make that thing change your life to conform to that thing. Those who trust in idols become like them. So who are you trusting today? And we're going to have to make a choice during our life, our entire life on planet Earth. Will we bow down to the idols or will we bow down to the one and true God? And we will have to make that choice every day for the rest of our lives. So let's help us today. How can we identify the idols in our lives? Because I really truly believe that everyone has secret idols that they're dealing with, certain things that have kind of crept in to the number one spot in your life. Every single body in here. So how can we identify those idols? Well, ask yourself one question. What is your life centered around? What is your life centered around? What is it that you're truly pursuing in life? What is it that you're going for in life with all your heart, with all your being? Because it's that thing that you are pursuing that becomes an idol. And guess what? God wants us to understand what the idols are in our lives so he can just destroy them things, man. So God can help you get rid of those idols. But ask God to reveal those secret idols of the heart. And our last point today is this. They didn't burn. See, God already knew they wouldn't burn up. God already knew that they would live. But what God, but what God was trying to help them see is that you need to trust me. And sometimes what we like to do is run away from high-pressure situations, you and I. We don't like the fires. We don't like going through the fire. We can just kind of escape and not go through that. But here's the thing. God sometimes wants us to go through the fire so he can burn away the things that keep us bound. God wants to set us free. So let me say this to you. Go through the fire. Let God burn away the things that you can't see that has you bound. Because he wants to set you free of what you can't see. And this is called God's refining process. God is refining us. 1 Peter 1.7 says this, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, it is that God is refining us. So let the fire refine you. Trust God through the fire. Trust God through the pressures of life. Because as I said earlier about that pressure relief valve, God is that pressure relief valve in our lives. He can stop the pressure from bursting in our lives. So here's a simple question. Will you trust Him today? Will you take steps to trust the most trustworthy God? But He's here and He wants you to trust Him. Can I pray for us? Let's pray. God, thank you for what you're doing in your people. <laughs> Father, only you know where we are today, and that's good enough, because we want to only be concerned about what you think of us, how you feel about us. And Father, we really want to love you. We really, we really want to honor you. We really want to do what you've called us to do. Father, we just want to make you happy. <laughs> we want you to smile down on us, Lord, from heaven, and say, you know, I'm well pleased with you. 
So help us live a life that's pleasing. Help us live a life, Lord, that's life-giving. Help us, let, let, help us not let us be our own centerpiece of the movie. No, this is your movie, Lord, and we're just thankful that we get to be a part of it. So we just want to say thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to pray for some, uh, another group of people today. If you've never made Jesus your king, well, guess what? That's the best decision you can ever make. And today you have an opportunity to make Jesus your king. If you would like to do this today, you can say a simple prayer like this. Say something like this to yourself and God. Say, God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sin. And now, I want to live for you. If you just said that prayer, the Bible says the angels in heaven are singing a song over you. And the Bible says now you are a child of God. So let's do a favor for all of us, for those who made Jesus their king. Can we celebrate with those people?